Are you tired of playing the same old games over and over again? Are you looking to spice up your game night with creative new ideas? Look no further because we're here to add some excitement back into your game night. We'll even show you how to take your love of games outside the confines of the living room. We're your hosts, Lauren and Greg, and Friday is game night. Happy Friday, everybody! For this episode, we review four popular games within the steampunk genre. For our shelfie, we take a closer look at Munchkin Steampunk. And in the Escape Room Report, we review 60 Outs The Time Machine. And we have our Friday favorites. Greg, what are you bringing to game night? Um, I'm, I'm tired, Lauren, because I'm bringing to Game Night Fitness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last month, we talked about gamification. And I kind of came up with the example how you can do exercise to go into something like game night, you know, by if you do this many squats, then maybe you get points you can accrue towards, you know, re-rolling a dice during game night or picking a new game or something. Well, that actually kind of caught on. And so now um, we and the people over at Moral Combat, our co-hosts there, mm-hmm. have kind of started running the ball with what I'm now calling G&G, gyms and gamers. <laughs> And so we've been doing that for about the past month now. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I came up with this whole system of points based upon this exercise, this many points, that activity, that many points. And also we have the help of our friend Matt Locks, who, um, you know, is a fan of the show, uh, both this one and Moral Combat. And he actually works as a physical therapist. So he's able to give me a lot of great tips and insights mm-hmm. as to how I can kind of alter it to um, you know, make it more appropriate for everybody, especially those who are going through some kind of injury recovery or mm-hmm. physical therapy or physical training. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I think that probably the most important thing to add to it was like sort of a wellness table. Mm-hmm. Was not just doing exercises; it's also taking care of your body. You know, doing ice packs if your muscles are sore, taking a hot bath, mm-hmm. drinking lots of water, um, definitely stretching. Was mm-hmm. something that I had missed the first time around. He goes, you should add that there. Give them, yeah. po- encourage them to stretch because that is actually one of the most preventative mm-hmm. ways to get injuries. Yeah. And we're bringing um, drinking more water because that's just a good thing and something as adults we forget to do often. Yeah. But we're not straying into nutrition. There's no points no. given for dieting per se. No, no, no. Because everybody's body is different. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to tell someone don't eat bacon because you always hear the stories about like, oh, the 105-year-old man you know, he was doing great eating bacon every day. His mm-hmm. dog told him not to, then he died the next day. Yeah. You know, like, I'm not going to tell anyone how to, like, live their life or eat their food. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that water is always going to be healthy for you. Yeah. And it's a little bit filling. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they say that one of the main problems that a lot of people have is just portion control. Like, you just... And I have that problem, too, where I like the taste of food so much, I just want more and more of it. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly I'll be like, oh, man, I ate, like, a lot, and I kind of regret that. But if I full up in water first, then I'm not going to have as much room for all the tasty foods, so then I will just be satisfied and stop sooner. I'll still enjoy the meal, but, yeah, I didn't eat all the cupcakes. Yeah, and I think just... It keeps, you know, all those things flushing through your body. Mm-hmm. It will help if you're exercising more. You need to replenish certain things. Exactly. So there, yeah. it's a no-win thing. So, I mean, it's an all-win thing, I should say, not yeah. a no-win thing. Exactly. So, you know, that's why we, we do have points for that, mm-hmm. but not other and nutrition un- things. Yeah, and unfortunately, um, the day after this comes out is when we're going to have our first game session with, G- with uh, G&G, mm-hmm. where... You, I, the combat crew, and Matt Locks are all going to get together online and actually play a session of Dungeons & Dragons, a homebrew thing that I'm mm-hmm. doing. 
we're going to discuss our triumphs and our struggles with it, you know, because I think it's also important for motivation, mm-hmm. you know, like as a team, like let's work together, let's bolster each other up. So we're going to see how it goes. We're going to try to fine tune a little bit. And once I'm kind of more happy and satisfied with it, then I am thinking about releasing this out into the world and seeing how other people like it as well besides us. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure since we've been doing some Twitch streaming um, with our friend, maybe we'll do it that way, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. things like that. So. Oh, and also, um, I'm, I'm not really a social media person. That's more you mm-hmm. who handles that. But I did, I am going to try to um, get a bit more into that. I don't really believe in New Year's resolutions. I'm more of a mm-hmm. birthday resolutions kind of person. <laughs> so I had a birthday recently. You did. And I'm hoping to try to get a bit more into that. Mm-hmm. And so I already scooped up the Instagram of Gyms and Gamers. So yeah. I haven't done anything with it yet because uh-huh. I want to have our first session. Yeah. But then after that, uh, I will start doing posting there and people mm-hmm. are welcome to join. And yeah, we'll see where it goes. I'll help them, guys. Don't worry. You will definitely be my guru for the first couple of months. <laughs> and then we'll see how well I do. Yeah. But how about you, Lauren? What are you bringing to Game of Um, Well, actually, I'm bringing two things. You know, it was your birthday recently. It was. And um, we did a couple... We did some fun things. You got a game, naturally, because, you know, that's... It has to happen, the, the, right? Yeah, it's the cutest little saddest dinosaur game ever. <laughs> it's by the same people or person. I always forget if it's a team or just a single person mm-hmm. who did the Unstable Unicorns, but they drew cute little dinosaurs. Yeah. And they're all like facing the most horrific fates. <laughs> um, both like a natural disaster, a predatory, or an emotional scarring. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh... And that was a, a Kickstarter I got that just happened. It came at an opportune time for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other game or other game, the other gift that you got that you didn't get to get right away nope. is we are finally getting a gaming tabletop. Um, so uh, Game Toppers, which is a, a company that if you've ever been to convention or if you follow a lot of gaming sites or Instagrams, you may have seen, um, what they do is they make a tabletop that goes over your table Mm -hmm. um so that you have all the benefits of a gaming table without quite the high price tag of a gaming table and also you know like in our situation i had really weighed the the value of getting a gaming table but the problem was we have a perfectly good dining room table that we like yeah and so it was like okay well do i really spend thousands of dollars to get rid of this when i could get just a topper Mm -hmm. um also a lot of the good companies it was they needed like a year lead time in order to build a year. one. Okay. Yeah, so it just this one worked out um, better for us, um, and then it just happened they had a Kickstarter for like a, a third release of them, um, and I was able to jump on it um, and th- thought, oh, the timing's just perfect for your birthday. Even though you won't get it for your birthday, um, I could at least you know tell you that I got it for you. Right. Plus, it'll go very well with that. Um... Matt, that game mat that you got, I think yeah. from that same company, right? Yes, uh, we had won a game mat from the same company. It's not the exact size of the tabletop we're but getting. But it's still cool looking though. Yeah, but also the tabletop we're getting is it's modular, so we can make it into a smaller table oh, if necessary. Oh, interesting. Um, and even put it on a coffee table if we want. Wow, okay. Um, so it's just more flexible, and I just thought that that would work better for our lifestyle and stuff like that. I didn't that. know those were modular. I thought they were like, because I know they have the different sizes, but I thought they were like, once you buy that size, you're locked yeah, in. Yeah, well, buying. so the one we get comes apart in three different pieces. Oh, so okay. you can actually then put so it So kind of like a dining room table with leaves and how some of them are yes, like that. Yes, exactly, okay. yeah. 
Um, the Kickstarter is over now, though I'm sure they're going to be selling other parts. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the things they did release this most uh, this last Kickstarter is they do now have legs if you want, want to purchase optional legs. Now, when you say legs, because I've seen some of the things that they do for tabletop mm -hmm. things where it's like a couple inches and it just gets it off the table. Are you talking that or are you talking legs that like make it a legit table all the way legs to the ground? Legs that they remind me of card table legs. Okay. So they're actual legs. So that way you, you can actually have it as its own table if you want. They're not fancy wood legs like you might get from other gaming tables. Right. But it's, and once again, like the, the benefit of these is they're portable, mm -hmm. but the whole option, fact is now you can actually make it a table where you might not have it. I, I That's interesting. I'm very fascinated mm -hmm. by that. I just would like to see myself how this looks because I'm already thinking of like, how much support do these legs give? Because like, yeah. I'd be very worried about- I mean, about... We, I didn't get the legs, but it is, you know, if that's something that you, you know, you would want, they do offer that option. Right. Now. I'm just yeah. saying that I'm worried about, cause I'm picturing a car table. Cause my, one of my grandmas had a car mm -hmm. table and it was the kind where like it folds up like to the side. It doesn't go straight up into the yeah. thing. It folds to the side to mm -hmm. go into it. And I remember as a kid, I accidentally once like was running by and I tripped on one of the legs and I accidentally kicked the thing up and the entire thing fell over. Mm -hmm. I could imagine game nights getting rowdy and like someone <laughs> yeah. like standing up suddenly and like accidentally hitting the leg and the entire thing of risk falls down. Mm -hmm. Or even sometimes people lean in to see like what what's going on in that part of the board of oh yeah. and then it falls. Yeah, I mean I'm sure I'm sure they did ratings to make sure it was really stable. Oh I'm sure it's I just that's say, my natural concern. You know, the other thing that really motivated me to buy this, and I think we've talked about these before on the podcast, is we actually played on one of these at um Dice Tower West this most recently. The, oh, that's the right. Didn't we play Oceans on it or something? We played Oceans, yeah. And that's yeah. what, at the convention, they had a bunch of these on the normal folding convention If that's tables. the same quality, that's a good table. Well, yeah, exactly. And like, it was, um, you know, just for something that's just laying on the top of a table, mm -hmm. it was very sturdy. It didn't feel like you could push it off. Yeah. It, you know, like whatever they do, I know they have like um, some kind of foam underneath that kind of helps lock it in place. Mm. Um, but it, you know, it really seemed like a real sturdy thing. So that's why it kind of motivated me to be like, okay, this, this is a legitimate option. This isn't something that's just going to fall off our table or get pushed up. Okay. Yeah. I, I do remember that table now, mm -hmm. that tabletop rather. Yeah. So I did not realize for some reason. Ours I is exactly like that. I think you've told me this before and I forgot, <laughs> but you know, that's my memory. For yeah. You. Um, so yeah, I don't think we're not going to be getting it until I think October or November, um, unfortunately, but it'll be a nice little wedding present for us because we'll be, it'll come right after we actually get married or we the, officially. Well, we are. Yes, we are married. The formal the rehearsal. The formal wedding, yes. The formal ceremony, right? <laughs> um, but you know what I'm actually bringing to game night? Okay. You've already said two things. You said two things. Now you're just tacking <laughs> on more. This isn't a train that you can just keep adding on to. I'm bringing a theme to game night. Oh God, what is it? Steampunk. Oh, I love it. <laughs> okay, so let's get into it. So we have the theme of steampunk, mm -hmm. which for those of you who have been under a rock and don't know what that is, um, steampunk is essentially picture like late 19th century, like Victorian England, mm -hmm. like futuristic sci-fi. Where like, because they didn't really have like so much electricity at the time. It's mm -hmm. kind of like how in the '60s, how they imagined the future was going to be like it's, all bubble cars. Yeah, that's what I've, I've, I've the best description I've ever heard is someone basically saying the way they imagined the future in the Victorian. Right. Times. So it is them doing a sci-fi idea based upon what technology they had available back then, mm -hmm. but a lot of it involves gears, 
some electricity and mostly using steam power mm-hmm. to make these fantastic machines do amazing things for them. Yes. And it's a, it's a favorite theme of mine. Right. And I, I, it's a very fun thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I think also you can always recognize steampunk based upon someone who has pointless gears and cogs all over their costume. <laughs> yeah. Like and, that's go- the, and goggles. Oh, goggles, yeah. Well, goggles <laughs> are important because whether you're in a dirigible flying high in the sky, mm-hmm. uh, an outdated technology, which mm-hmm. they thought was going to be super catching on, you know, <laughs> or whether you're like welding something together. Goggles have uh, many uses. Mm-hmm. So what we wanted to do is take a look at four popular uh, steampunk-themed games uh, some of which we have played, some of which we're looking forward to playing, mm-hmm. and kind of review them yeah. based upon, you know, not only the game itself, but how well do we feel that it represents the steampunk theme or the steampunk genre? Uh-huh. How much does it transport you into that smoky, you know, like um, back streets with all the gears and cogs and uh-huh. everything with the cobble street roads? So let's start off with uh, what I actually got, um, I believe, for my birthday a couple years ago, Smog, on Her Majesty's Service. Yeah. And I think we've talked about this one on the podcast. We definitely have, yeah. Um, This one right away, I think it wins big steampunk points for the fact that the board actually has gears that move. Yeah. The board itself is actually a 3x3 grid. Mm -hmm. And... The centerpiece doesn't turn, but it's designed like a gear. Mm -hmm. But all the other ones around are gears, and you actually can turn them clockwise or counterclockwise, and that kind of affects how the game plays. Yeah, it's not just for looks. It actually changes the board and stuff as you're playing. Because it matters where you're sitting at the board. Because Mm -hmm. if you're, let's just call it the north, south, east, west position just for the sake of mental clarity. If I'm sitting at the north position, and I look at cog number three, right? Based upon the way it's facing me, I have a different price I have to pay for things than mm-hmm. if it's facing east, which yeah. is your position. Mm-hmm. And so while I only have to pay one to do the thing on that cog, you would have to pay three just based upon how it's laid uh-huh. out. Or if we have our friend Matt to the south, he might not even be able to use it because yeah. of the way it's facing him. Mm-hmm. But anyone can use an action to make the cog turn. Mm-hmm. So that way you can like keep rotating. And so it's an ever-changing ever complex moving board yeah yeah which i I think really like adds to the theme very Mm -hmm. well it does have kind of a supernaturally theme to it as well it does if you i like to read the backstories in the rule books Mm -hmm. for this you know because it's like you're doing an adventure and like what's the story that you're playing yeah and for this one they say that essentially uh, i believe that smog is actually a bigger overarching story of games and Mm -hmm. we just have this one iteration that we're looking at here but essentially, it's like steampunk and the fairy world mm-hmm. overlapping. And so you do have the, in this game story, the narrative of you are going into the fae world or the fairy world to collect these different humors mm-hmm. and the first one to get back to yeah. Queen Victoria wins. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you do have some supernatural elements going on. You have these kind of grim, ghastly characters uh, one is like a witch one is like some strange merchant one mm. is like a little skeleton skullhead boy yeah you know it's it's quite strange but kind of macabre and fascinating in the same breath you mm-hmm. know um the gameplay itself like we said is very entertaining you know it's one of those ones where you can try to make a plan but, oh, but you your plan also get... <laughs> have to be very very um <laughs> You have to be very flexible because your plan will change. Your plan will change. Because, yeah, the board's constantly changing. And it's, you know, obviously it could be played as a take that. But Mm -hmm. it's more like 
you're trying to get your objectives and your items, um, or I'm not sure if items is the right word for what they are. Well, there's also but, keys and locks yeah, you have the to keys get. So I think items is fair to say. Okay. But you're trying to get those and stuff. And it's not necessarily that you're trying maybe to impede the other players. I mean, sometimes you might be because you see they're about to get something and you need to get it. But um, but a lot of it's like, I, I'm moving this to benefit me and it's messing up someone else. Right. Just because I need to do this. And I do like the neutral other characters, like we said, of like the skull boy yeah. that can come in. That anytime that one gets brought in, another one leaves. Mm-hmm. And they all have different things that they do. So it's also constantly changing up the rules for what's going on on the table, yeah. which I liked. But how how do you rate this on a scale of uh, zero to five gears or cogs? <laughs> how much does it actually like give you those steampunk feels? For me, I can tell you mine. I only give this a two. I give it two cogs out of five because even though the color palette is kind of like a brown, rusty thing, mm-hmm. you know, and it does have the gears on it, I, I'm not really doing anything I feel steampunky. It feels yeah. more like a fantasy game. You could replace the gears in my mind with like a whirlwind or a whirlpool. Or portals or, or anything. just portals. Yeah. Like, you could totally strip away the steampunk, mm-hmm. make it into just magic, and like it's the same game. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say like three. I, I think... It definitely, like, the gears and the ever-changingness of it, it definitely has a steampunk feel, but it doesn't have a steampunk story, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't gain as high a points in that from. Okay. Um, steampunk Rally is another one that actually we've we've seen at conventions. We've actually never played it. We did see a we demo. Tried. We tried. We had a, like, but we a were, guy, like, really tired. Yeah, a guy kind of gave us a demo of it. Yeah, and then the one time we tried to pull it out and play it, um... It's kind of, it looks simple, but when they start explaining all the rules and every time I zone out, it's just... <laughs> I, I, I have heard from multiple people online that that's kind of normal for people first playing it, that it's like halfway through your first game, for most people, all of a sudden it clicks. Mm, okay. But like there's kind of like this initial wall you have to get yeah. past, and we just unfortunately didn't quite get past that because when we first played this, we were at the convention, we were going on like... 14 straight hours of gaming and we were like let's try one more like yeah. oh my brain's dead um i will I'll, I'll say one thing like it does it hits a lot of points for the fact that it's steampunk and you're like building a steampunk vehicle and it looks cool so yeah. it looks cool and i do like games where you're building something where you're like putting tiles down and designing something um, that's why I like Galaxy Trucker. That's a great comparison, um, yeah. Islands of Cats, even that. Like, even though you're not building something, you're kind of placing your cats. Like, I like things where I get to place stuff. You like things like, where you get to strategically place weird-shaped tiles. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So, I mean, at face value, I think this this definitely, it hits a lot of the steampunk boxes. Mm-hmm. However, you know, from what I've seen at the end of the day, it's kind of just a racing game, and you could put any theme well on it. people have compared this to did you ever watch those old Hanna-Barbera like wacky races mm-hmm. where like you have like dastardly whatever his name is and like his dog yeah Mutley, and they're like it's like them and like the Flintstones car mm-hmm. and like the the I forget all the characters people yelling at me right now or like the Adams family car you know or like the Scooby-Doo mobile goes by yeah and it's like they're all like doing weird things with their cars to like get ahead or fall behind it's essentially Uh, that it's wacky racers but with like a steampunk theme mm -hmm. but i still love that i still think it's fun to be like i'm going to ignite my um nitroglycerin boosters and oh no they blew up on me and then you fall behind you know or like the other thing i like is 
in this game you do technically have like health points or like armor points mm -hmm. but what that does is essentially is reinforcing your machine to hold together when you go over rough terrain mm -hmm. because if you take a turn too fast or you go over a super bumpy thing you're vehicle will start to fall apart and you will be like oh no i lost my third wheel oh no there goes my uh my um you know electromagnetic condenser or mm -hmm. whatever whatever i'm not good with steampunk uh, <laughs> gobbledygook sci-fi stuff mm -hmm. i should be better but i'm not but I, I think it's fun um there's lots of dice rolling mm -hmm. involved which you know especially you like dice rolling <laughs> uh there's all but the problem is there's also a lot of luck of the draw with cards because mm -hmm. essentially you draw these cards and then you can either burn those cards to like just get pools of dice off to the side or get cog points mm -hmm. which are used to either re-roll a dice or put a dice up or down one which is useful i like that idea of being flexible with it but it also does kind of suck because there's the chance that you could have everyone else getting good polls and I'm getting nothing. Yeah. And having a game session like that, it's very hard to for that player to still find the enjoyment out of it when they're a full two turns behind and everyone else, well, I'm clearly not in this. And mm -hmm. we know how defeatist that can't feel yeah. at times. I think we've all been there. And some games you can always say no you can always come back and some games which i feel like is this one you're like no once you get that far ahead like mm -hmm. unless you guys just give me a free turn it's not gonna happen yeah but what would you be your um cog rating on this on the scale of zero to five cogs for steampunk theme how much does it imbibe it i'm gonna give it so i do feel like it could easily be a different theme but i'm gonna give it four okay for that reason i think it does hit a lot of the steampunk what we want from a steampunk game mm -hmm. it's just it feels it could easily it could easily be something else it, you know okay. so um so maybe you know if, if it I, I don't know that it is fully steampunk because of that i i do agree with you i give it four out of five cons mm -hmm. as well I think that's fantastic that you can build this amazing machine uh -huh. and like it can fall apart or it can do weird combinations and all and kind of one of the things about steampunk that is a fun but like sometimes overlooked aspect mm -hmm. is the fact that sometimes inventions fail and that's okay yeah yeah, you yeah. know like oh he made this cool thing and yet it does there, there is definitely a mad scientist aspect to yeah. steampunk you know what you know what is another good example for mm -hmm. if you ever want to try to explain steampunk to somebody say did you ever see honey i shrunk the kids and all the crazy stuff the dad did in his house that's like <laughs> 80s steampunk yeah. we're like we're now in the age of electronics mm -hmm. and he's like taking it to a whole new level where he's like if i do this and i combine this yeah i can make an automatic thing that beats my dog mm -hmm. but like the thing is it doesn't really work but it kind of does yeah and that's what steampunk's really about it mm -hmm. doesn't really work but it kind of does mm -hmm. but i do agree yeah you could put wacky races over it and it's yeah the exact same game mm -hmm. but yeah i think four to five is a pretty great score for that um, I would now like to talk about one of my favorite things, especially since you had me read that book, Airborne, mm -hmm. Dirigibles. Specifically, <laughs> Dastardly Dirigibles. <laughs> so this is a cool game where you start off with this blueprint of a dirigible, mm -hmm. a.k.a. blimp, mm -hmm. for those who don't know, or a zeppelin, you know, yeah. slightly different. Pretty much the main difference is where the people are yeah. in the thing <laughs> and like how they're carried. But anyways, um, so, you know, you have this blueprint that I think is like six spaces, maybe seven spaces. From nose cone to tail, mm -hmm. you know, and you have like the front cab and back cab and stuff like that. And essentially, you are trying to lay down matching suits mm -hmm. of the cards to build a dirigible that looks nice. 
right? Yeah. So you can have the cool dirigible or the techie dirigible or like the hobo dirigible, mm-hmm. you know, like whatever you kind of want, yeah. you know, the, all the different parts kind of interlock mm-hmm. and they'll have like a little, almost like a pseudo symbol. So it's like, this is the cool one. This is the techie one. This is the like punk one. Uh-huh. But what's interesting is that as I say, I'm laying down a nose cone. Everybody else also has to lay down a nose cone if Uh they have a cat cone. Yeah, whether they want to or not. Yeah, if you've got it, you've got to put it down. Uh Which means that if you were building like the like spiky metal dirigible, Mm -hmm. and I say nose cone, you're like, I've got this weird circus one in my hand. You have to put that down. Mm -hmm. So now your spiky metal one is has a big old clown nose in the front. You know. Uh Um. So I like that idea that like another player's turn can like offset your turn. Mm And that, you know, it is over the course of three complete rounds where once one person has the dirigible built, Mm -hmm. that's the end of a round. But, you know, like I said, I like that because since it's kind of best point score total over three rounds, Uh if you have a bad go or like you're just not getting right cards and people keep screwing you up, there's another round coming. Yeah. It's, um, I, I, they made a, when I watched some reviews on this game, because we haven't played this game. Um, I think I've heard of it, but I, I hadn't seen it played before. Um, they compared it to a card game like Rummy, Rummy yeah. yeah. Which at first I was like, eh, but then like the more I thought about it, I was like, it's kind of ingenious though because it's taking like it's taking something simple like the game of Rummy mm-hmm. and like expanding upon it. Exactly. You know, it's taking like some principles from that, but making it a completely different thing. And I think that's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. Um. I really do like the point scoring system too, mm-hmm. where essentially you figure out like how many matching sets do you have for this type or that type. Uh-huh. You get points for that. But what I really, really like is that they had what's called the, um, what's called like the muddle score, uh-huh. which is if you have nothing matching, mm-hmm. you just get 20 points. <laughs> and I'm like, that's genius. Like, yeah. so pretty much like if someone's like, I'm so far gone, I'm going for that. Uh-huh. Like, and the whole idea is like that you are design you're designing, you're all competing to design the best airship for the queen or something like that. Well, what it is, is that um, the CEO and tycoon of dirigibles is retiring. is retiring. And he's like, I've got no legitimate heir and natural successor. Who wants the job? Prove mm-hmm. it to me that you want this. Yeah. You know? um, like, that's, that's a cool story too. You know? Yeah. So I think like for me, and I mean, we still have one more on the list, but for me, I think this one hits the highest on my steampunk ratings. Okay. I'm going to give this one a full five. Wow. Um, mainly because I think one, the story behind it supports the steampunk theme. Yeah. The idea of you're building um, this dirigible, which right away is steampunk, and you're building it with kind of mismatching parts and kind of madcap ideas. I think there. Also, I think just the in- ingenuity of taking um, a classic game mechanic of Rummy mm-hmm. and applying it to um, a modern board game um, or card game, I guess you would call this. Um, is kind of ingenious, and I think that embodies the steampunk theme. Yeah. Um, I'm giving it a lesser score. I, mm-hmm. I agree with your points, but I'm only giving it a three out of five cogs. The main reason why is because, yes, dirigibles is a part of the steampunk aesthetic, mm-hmm. and I like the story, but like the story is something that you could overlook like if you don't yeah. read that bit. And the dirigibles, yeah, it looks cool, but like at the end of the day, like the different parts don't really do anything different they mm-hmm. just look different True. and it's just like it's yeah if you have ocd it's going to mess with you hard you know <laughs> um like i said it's a fun theme but it just doesn't scratch that 
you know, like it does this and it does this and it does this and uh-huh. it does this kind of like itch that I a steampunk should do. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like with the steampunk rally, that kind of does that more. You know, we're like, oh, I put on this flywheel and I put on these tarantula legs uh-huh. and I put on and then they all do these different things, you know. So I I do like this game. I think it'd be fun to get. I, I don't think it would be like ever a top 10, mm-hmm. but it's it seems like a fun little quick party game. You know, I did see some people say, though, that the downtime in between turns can be especially long. Yeah, so you I really don't too. want to play this with more than four at max. Yeah, which we found with a, a lot of games like they can go up to a certain amount of players, but that doesn't mean it's fun playing with that Yeah, like, people. for example, going back to my old um, love-hate with Villainous. Yes, Villainous with a lot of people takes forever. So imagine that, but, like, with dirigibles. Yeah. Where, like, you don't even get to look at the pretty art and be like, oh, remember that part of the movie? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so our last one is another one that we haven't played before, and it's called Steamworks. I have seen this before, though. Mm-hmm. I actually do remember seeing this on a table when we were at a convention. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely fascinates me because you've already kind of mentioned the galaxy trucker mm-hmm. and this very much has the same kind of vibe to it. yeah so it's it's a mechanic called engine building mm-hmm. um which is a type of a type of game many games use this mechanic um so in some respects for this game my first thought was well it's just a engine building game it's a resource you know it's all based yeah. on resources and um kind of having um worker placement a little bit um but and so at first i was like but you could put that on anything like anything like birds yeah like yeah any anything could be like this however the fact that it is an engine building steampunk game game about engine building building yeah is kind of ingenious and that that really hits the the steampunk mark right there yeah and what i like about it is I can be building my machine mm-hmm. that I've designed. And it's all about chain reactions. Yeah. Like, I did this and I connected it to this and that powers the engine, which then lets three other things happen. That powers this and that powers that and that generates money. And then I can take this money and turn those into points. I can turn that into more energy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so you can have this cool machine going. And like, yeah, they do say, okay, but just keep in mind, like it takes a couple of turns to get your machine cool and do a lot of stuff. So like, uh-huh. the first the first time you play it for the first couple of rounds, you'd be like, I don't get this game. Like, mm-hmm. Why do people care? Wait till you get to halfway, then you'd be like, oh, damn, this is really fun, you know? <laughs> um, but what I really, really like is that you can utilize other people's machines. Yeah. If you're building something cool that I can use, I can go say, I want to use Lauren's machine and get those benefits. And because you built it, you get some of the partial benefits as well. Mm-hmm. So essentially, you're like charging me admissions fee to like yeah. use your, your device. But I think that's awesome that like if I'm not getting good pulls on my cards or uh-huh. you know just I'm having trouble building this, utilize other people's stuff mm-hmm. and then just exploit their work for you. You know that's more steampunk if I've ever heard it. You know, <laughs> kind of like rampant economic capitalism. Uh-huh. You know? I don't know about you, but for my steampunk score for Steamworks, it's a solid six out of five. Like I think it hits <laughs> all in the all golden sprockets. Yeah. You know? I don't know if I would go six out of five. I do think no. I would, I'll, I'll I'll be good. I'll say five out of five. But. I think I would do five out of five. I I was a little um, skeptical at first. Mm-hmm. Um, I found some of the explanations I saw online a little like I don't know. I like I said at first I just felt like it was a typical worker placement slash engine builder with a steampunk overlay. But then when I kind of realized how ingenious like the idea of having an engine building game 
with a steampunk theme and that you can utilize one another's. Oh. Then, then I was like, okay, actually, that's pretty clever. And all the tiles have different ways to connect them where it's mm -hmm. either through clockwork gears, through steam, or through electrical. And if they don't line up properly, you can't put that tile there. Uh -huh. And the other thing I super loved about this is some games like Rival Restaurants have what we call a conveyor belt system. Mm -hmm. Where like the cards after each turn slowly start to move down and eventually like yeah. thrown away. This one actually has conveyor belts on its conveyor belt system. <laughs> this game's like, you know what? Let's just go literal with all these mechanics and what other people have been trying to like say it's like. Let's just make it a conveyor belt. <laughs> so yeah, that's why it gets that extra six, you know. <laughs> well, I think that we've given uh, four pretty, you know, different but interesting steampunk entries. I mean, there's plenty of other steampunk There's games. lots of other ones. Like, um, there was that one, I think it's called like Steam World The Borderlands. That looked interesting. I don't mm. know if that would necessarily be my cup of tea, but it's definitely a popular enough one that's like been around for a long time yeah. and had a lot of reprints. I remember there was one too where you're like stealing buildings. Yeah. I the... can't remember what it's called. We played it We though. played it. Yeah, it was fun. It's, but it's I got can't like a villain it. in the title. I know that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's there's plenty out there that um, to choose from. Mm -hmm. But let's go and talk about one that we definitely do own. Let's oh. go over to our shelfie. To the shelfie room. All right, so this time for the shelfie, we have uh, one that we've had for quite a little while, but still a, a favorite of mine, mm -hmm. uh, Munchkin Steampunk. Yeah, and there's uh, every Munchkin type of Munchkin game you can imagine. Like every theme, mm -hmm. there is a Munchkin game for it. And we actually have other versions of Munchkin. You have a ton. Well, I have a ton for the traditional fantasy the traditional, version. Yeah. You know who had a ton? Our old friends, Elliot and Amanda. They mm -hmm. had like the sci-fi one, the pirate one, the you name it inserted here. Yeah. I think, oh, there was a cowboy one. I remember that. And we did for a while have a Disney themed one, Nightmare Before Christmas, but I think we got rid of it. I, I had a friend, Shannon, who was a big Nightmare Before Christmas yeah. fan. And like, you love this more than me. Yeah, you, we weren't playing it very you're often. You're welcome to have that. Um, um, but why, why would you say that the steampunk one has become our munchkin of choice? Well, first of all, it's a fun theme. You don't mm -hmm. see many steampunk games out there as much as there are fantasy games. Yeah. You know, so if you have a choice, I say go for the lesser represented theme. And I think m steampunk lends itself to Munchkin very well. It does, because Munchkin is also a very tongue-in-cheek style mm -hmm. game where it's a lot of, oh, I have this gigantic sword, or I have this, like, you know, there's literally this... Um, uh, this item, I believe it's called the breastplate in Munchkin mm -hmm. Fantasy One that only females can use. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but like, so it does, you know, funny little bits like that. And Steampunk has a lot of cool things you can do with that because it does have that kind of overly scientific lingo. Mm -hmm. You know, like um, the um, expectorant expectorant or mm -hmm. something, you know. And it's like, oh, it's like a spit guard. Yeah. You know? Well, and also, I mean... You know, Munchkin is all kind of about you're adding all of this different gear and all these little bonuses mm -hmm. to you. So steampunk, it, it lends itself well because you can have, you know, different kinds of steampunk boots and different kinds of steampunk yeah. headwear. And, you know, I like um, one of my favorites is, you know, basically 
you get a, a bonus point for every gear showing on your car. Yeah, that's and fantastic. And like silly things like that where it's just like, oh, and, add another gear to it. It's steampunk now. And also Munchkin is all about upgrading your character. Mm-hmm. And steampunk is all about upgrading your current equipment, whatever yeah. that may be. So the idea that I have this... Um, this sword and now I'm going to make it a telescopic sword mm-hmm. because I could add telescopic to whatever yeah. that just works, you know, yeah. in an amazing way. That's humorous, but also like, yeah, that's pretty cool too. You know, <laughs> so, you know it's really fun. It's all about just getting to level 10, mm-hmm. you know, and just backstabbing your friends, making deals, yeah. where you'd be collecting the treasure. Um, I do enjoy that. They have the different occupations for you. Mm-hmm. Like they have the tycoon, or the engineer, you yeah. know, things that still fit within the steampunk world, but also have such unique and different bonuses. Mm-hmm. Because in the original steampunk, you do have your class and your race. And it's fun to have multiple bonuses like that, but in Munchkin Tycoon, if I remember correctly, they only break it down to just the um, just the occupation. And sometimes it's better to have less, mm-hmm. because... Once you get your character built on, you have all these cards in front of you. They all do all these different things. Sometimes you're like, oh, I forgot I'm, I'm also Swiss. And that means I do better with chocolate. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, there's a couple things I, I like about this version too. And, you know, certain versions of Munchkin have it. Certain versions of Munchkin don't. But it has a board, a player board. That, that was a major improvement. It actually came with that. Because yeah, to help track everyone's kind of levels and things like that. With my original Munchkin, we didn't have that. So I used to just use pennies. I'd give everybody 10 pennies yeah. and say, here you go. Use this to track. Um, we also, we do have one of the expansions, which I believe came with like a counter or mm-hmm. something like that. And it's like called that. Girl Genius. Yeah, Girl Genius. Which, keep, that came out in 2019. So yeah. like, you know, they, they're really overdue for another expansion. Possibly, because yeah. Steampunk came out 2015. Mm-hmm. Four years later, uh, Girl Genius. And yeah. it's a fun theme. Keep mm-hmm. it going, guys, you know. Yeah, um... The, the thing with, you know, the thing that just Munchkin in general, why it's it's such a good classic game is it's very easy to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, the base rules of Munchkin don't change much from version to version. So if you've played a different version of Munchkin, you can easily pick up a new version of it and play. Um, yeah. And the, the main thing about Munchkin is what does the card say? You know, like that's, that's basically everything you need to know the card is going to tell you. Now, granted, sometimes you have to debate what does that really mean? Um, but for the most part, you know, the cards are very clear. They tell you exactly what it does and what it doesn't do. Um, and so it makes it a very easy game to teach new people and for people to play. And also, these are interchangeable with all the other versions of Munchkin. Mm-hmm. So that's the other great thing is yeah, that you if you want to combine steampunk and cowboys... Or aliens and pirates. Yeah. And you can totally mix and match all of them. That's cool. Yeah. We, um, one time we were playing a really big Munchkin game. Basically, we wanted two different groups to be able to play. So um, our friends, we were, they were hosting a game night. They mixed together their um, Marvel and X-Men. Oh, God. Yeah, that was um, so Munchkin good. Munchkin um, cards so that we could um, add more players and have kind of an epic uh, Munchkin game. It was honestly the best. Yeah, that was super, super enjoyable to do. Um, but yeah, I, I think that if I was to recommend a Munchkin, this would probably be number two. Mm-hmm. The only reason is because like I think the first one, the, the core OG, base set, yeah. is OG enough and like deserves that Pantheon uh-huh. highest honor. But this is number two even before any of the expansions for the OG. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's just 
the artwork is great. I mean, it's kind of the same artist along the way, yeah. all throughout them, but they do include other artists, and the artist always has their names mm-hmm. at the bottom of the cart, too. But I think over time, you kind of get refined a little bit more. Yeah. And also, many of the um, iterations of this game come with full color cards. Mm-hmm. The original Munchkin was black and white. Mm, you yeah. Know, all kind of like shades of gray. Well, I think, you know, Steve Jackson has come a long way in right. <laughs> um, oh, to be that guy with all his brand deals that he has now because they have Disney ones now. They have everything. So. They do, yeah. Um, I'm just looking at some of the cards here. They have a Jacob's Ladder, <laughs> which is like a, a guy holding a ladder but shooting out electricity. <laughs> um, the Aeronautic Armor. Harness the power of toast. You know, it's like a giant like suitcase-sized toaster. That like just makes you go up a level. So like it's all very fun and mm-hmm. humorous. It's it's also a good one to play with kids. Um, yeah. When they're kind of at that when they're at you know more of a reading age, I think. But you know, there's nothing um, there's nothing adult usually about it. Usually, if the jokes are a little adult, it's not something that they're gonna understand anyway. <laughs> yeah, and like I said, there are some cards in there that uh, refer directly to the player's gender. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I think that maybe would be. Uh, uh, quote dated part about these Uh there are like i said very specific cards that refer to the gender of the player whether you're male or female Uh but in our new day and age where we have non-binary and you know alternative genders Mm -hmm. i think it's easy enough to do a house rule where you just throw out those specific text limitations yeah you know um one of the things that kind of come into the parlance of our times is the term gatekeeping. Mm-hmm. You know, like, why are you gatekeeping me from being a fan of this just yeah. because I can't name all 652 Pokemon? Yeah. So just take away that. Just say, okay, well, we're going to remove the gatekeeping up that the breastplate can only be worn by females, you know? Yeah, well, and also, I think in, in at least in this one, if I'm remembering correctly, um, the, the, the actual things that refer to female or male are not necessarily the person themselves, but the little character that they're playing. Right. And you can play whichever one you want. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, yeah, there's not an option for like non-binary. Um, but, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to refer to your gender. It can refer to That is to very the, true. Um, whereas I think some of the older versions, um, like original Munchkin, it was actually like your gender. That's true, yeah. But um, like I know personally whenever I play RPGs, I like to play as a female character. I just mm-hmm. think it's more fun to be a person than I'm not. Yeah. Try to experience that different life. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so you're right. You could just, and this does come with little icons that is either a lady in a pith helmet or a guy in a pith helmet. Uh Yeah. Um, So I guess you could do that. But I'm just saying if you are more comfortable not making that choice. Yeah. Just say to the group, hey, you know what? It's a small part of the game that doesn't need to be there, basically. Exactly. It's it's fun enough, but you know. Yeah. um, Throw it away if you, that ruler away if you want. Don't throw Mm -hmm. the game away. The game's good. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, well, I think that does it for our shelfie. Hopefully, we eventually have shelves for our games again. We still don't have those. Ikea! Calyx, uh, yeah. please! Calyx, Calyx, Calyx. <laughs> um, so let's move over to something else that's a little steampunk, and that is our escape room report. Oh. 
this uh, month for the Escape Room Report, we finally got to go back out to 60 Outs mm-hmm. in LA. We've been we went, missing them. Mm-hmm. And we coincidentally went to the same location in which we won that free year of Escape Rooms. Yeah, we did. And we finally got to do one that I've actually been looking forward to do a while called The Time Machine. Mm-hmm. And this one is based upon Nikolai Tesla's uh, personal laboratory. Yeah. Where apparently he made time travel. <laughs> and... Uh, I like the the different stories that they tell mm-hmm. with theirs. This one, I was kind of confused from the beginning because they're like, you're time travelers, but you need to go back and get his time travel device. Why? <laughs> Aren't we time travelers? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It was, it was a little confusing for sure. Um, you know, I do think, you know, 60 out, um, which is, they're not, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily call them a chain. They, it's a escape room company that has multiple locations in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, quite a few actually. And um, they they definitely have like a difference in some of their older rooms versus some of their newer rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, this one I think is not one of their most new ones. No, this one um, felt like second, maybe so, third generation. So it definitely shows. The story was a little like weird and random and it didn't, you didn't, I didn't feel like I fully was remained in the no. story. Um, but what I did like, there's a couple things I liked about this room. Um, one was I loved the hint system. I didn't. Or it wasn't even a hint system, really. It was kind of the, the driving narrative of this. I didn't like You didn't, that. No. okay. Why don't you explain what it is, and then I'll explain why I didn't So like basically, that. there's like this mailbox, mm-hmm. and you're getting mail from, I can't remember if it was Nikola Tesla, or if it was like the person. Exactly, who knows who it's from. I don't remember, yeah. <laughs> um, but basically, it was kind of telling you what you needed to do next. Right, but what I didn't like about that is that you have to constantly go back to the same mailbox at the start mm-hmm. of the whole thing to get the next bit. And, and like, literally at one point, like we complete a puzzle that I hear the shoom and I'm like, mail's here. And yeah. I just like walk off, uh-huh. you know, it felt like a chore going all the way back. Like yeah. That. It also felt like, you know, you, you were kind of being forced into a linear path mm-hmm. where you had to, Oh, okay. Now we have, because you needed the information for the most part on there to help you move forward. Right. But I feel that, a more modern escape room mm-hmm. would have just hid that information into the room more organically. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's where that us saying it seems a little, you know, second generation or whatever you will call it, um, older. That's where I think that comes to play. Like it's a clever idea, but the fact that it's not as organic is where I think it falls. No, don't short. get me wrong. The idea of the mailbox giving me information—that's a cool yeah. idea. I like it. But don't beat that horse more than two or three times, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. Um, like, for the first room, maybe the second room, like, okay, it'd be kind of cool to go back and do that. Or if I do something that triggers it, mm-hmm. like, purposefully. Like, yeah. I, like if I go, like, oh, the darn mail thing keeps jamming. If I tighten this pipe, I can increase the air pressure to get that stuck mail. Yeah. That would be cool, because then I get the, you know, yeah. oh, this or start. if it really was the hint system, rather yeah. than actually the narrative driving us. Because, you know, that's when I yeah, say... Yeah, if like, it was like me raising my hand saying, I need a clue, please, ding! Yeah, exactly. That'd be fine, because we once did a pirate-themed one where the hint system was the guy would ring a, like a, a ship bell and then slide a handwritten note on the door on pirate parchment. That was cool. Uh, yeah. yeah, and it was it was pretty funny because he would literally have to write them, and he was fast. Oh, like you would ask for one, and one would come pretty quickly. But it was pretty funny. But like clearly, would... in this situation, they have them preloaded. Yeah, and like you know, you could probably have hints preloaded and just be like this one, yeah. this one, you know. 
but the the problem I had with this room, there was, there's a few little things. Overall, I will say it was an enjoyable room. Yeah. But there was definitely some things that needed to be repaired or needed to be updated. First of all, they the very first room, colorblind chart. Yeah, which you, you didn't really need, but you kind of needed. I didn't need it. I just guessed about yeah. where the thing was. And I was like, but oh, that's right. Even I actually had a bit of a trouble seeing it. And mm. I've taken those colorblind tests and I always ace them like 100%. Yeah. So even I had a little bit of trouble. So if you even are remotely colorblind, you might have trouble with this. Yeah, exactly. Because it's different styles of colorblind, not just, oh, yes. I love Lucy Black and White. Yeah. So yeah, definitely not happy, too happy about that. Um, there, there was no portable light system or light source in the yeah. room. It, if it was in a dark corner, then you're just out of luck, buddy. Yeah, and there was a couple times where that came to play where we were having a hard time reading what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, my main thing was there was one part where we didn't really understand what we were supposed to do. And part of that was because we were supposed to use this magnet. But it was the tiniest little magnet in the world mm-hmm. that like, I didn't even know it was magnetized. You know, it was kind of... I don't know. It was just like this little tiny thing. Well, no, I don't think that was a magnet. I think it was just a piece of metal. Yeah. But we had to hold it against something that had a magnet behind it. Yeah, I know. But but it's like, how are we supposed to... It was so small and like, it didn't seem to go with anything. Exactly. And it just like, it was so unclear that this is what went to this, you know? Yeah, I agree. Um, And then also, there was a puzzle. Uh, Well, first of all, let's back up. So it's Nikolai Tesla's home apartment slash laboratory. Mm-hmm. So there's all sorts of cool inventions around. Yeah. Right. Um, like there's this one where you have to like turn a doorknob a certain amount of times just to get it to unlock. Yeah. That, that was, was cool. That was cool. Once we figured out what we were supposed to do. Right. And they have the, um, the only way I could describe it is that thing where it's like the ball with electricity in it and when you touch it, it goes to your fingers or mm-hmm. like it makes your hair stick up. They had a whole bunch of those all over the place, you know? Yeah. And there was this one puzzle, and I, I'm trying to go based upon my memories. Forgive me, it's been about a week, but also I don't want spoilers. Yeah. Where essentially it's like there's different colored ones of those, mm-hmm. and you have to like slide the thing over back and forth to see, oh, this one's orange, oh, that one's blue. But also, like, clearly people have like used and abused that thing so much, they just wrote beneath it, this one's supposed to be orange, this one's supposed to be blue. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. well, then replace it, fix it, don't. Yeah, and I don't know if that also was maybe they got feedback that it was too hard to distinguish between the colors. But yeah, it kind of made the whole like puzzle like, well, what's the point? Yeah. You know? Um, also, like we just guessed what the order was supposed to be. And I don't know if we were supposed to. I don't know to, if that's correct or not. Yeah. Or if, you know, I mean, like we, we guessed what it was based on like outside knowledge. So I don't know if there was something that would eventually lead you to that. But if there was, we never found it. Um, because it might not be something that everybody knows. Yeah. You know, once again, it was our outside knowledge. There was this one really cool thing um, where it's basically you get to do an experiment and you essentially like light something. I don't want to say light something on fire, but you cause something to like combust. Oh, yeah. And it gets like very bright and it does smoke a little. So if you are, one of our friends is very sensitive to like smokes and like mm. fog and stuff. So I could see where she would have been really mad at that part of the but room. But still, it was cool. <laughs> it felt like being back in science class with like you actually doing a thing. Yeah. And, and they, reaction. it was cool how they like, they aim to make it safe as well. Right. You know. But at the same time, there are a lot of, even though this is a very science heavy themed room, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff in here that just is arbitrary because of the sake of we need another puzzle. Like, yeah. At one point, there is a statue that you just have to have it face the corner because it's not allowed to look at what you're doing. 
Mm-hmm. You know, to, you know, kind of high, you know, it just, it, why? There's yeah. no reason for me to turn that. Nothing scientific is about me playing feng shui with the art in this room. Yeah. Um, one thing that I did like about this puzzle is, or about this room is, I don't know that there were that many. There there may have been a couple combination locks, but there weren't a lot of that kind of like lock and key situation. There wasn't a lot, but there was at least a couple. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there was also a lot of puzzles where you just had to be very observant mm-hmm. of the room and the surroundings. Yeah. Like, oh, I see burn marks here. Clearly, the, this one burnt out. Or I see, you know, smudges here that tells me this is the one that he picked or things like that. Like, exactly. There's a lot of things like that in the room, which I did kind of appreciate because it did give That's you cool. kind it of... It makes me almost feel like I'm actually sneaking into somebody's apartment and trying and to trying figure, to it, figure out. it out. And it's a very Sherlockian like, kind exactly. of feel. Um, so I did appreciate those kind of things in the room. The one thing I, oh, I did not like, though, is in the last few puzzles, a lot of them are tucked away into a tight little corner yeah. where only one person can fit mm-hmm. or like clearly see what's going on. And in a experience like an escape room where it's about putting your heads together with your team you know there was a there was a point where like you're playing with like light and trying to bounce light around Uh and it's like i can't really help you because i can't get in there yeah because literally this thing's only like three feet wide in a little alcove Mm -hmm. and so i can kind of see what you're doing but not really and so i i'm not going to start saying did you try twisting this i'm i'm twisting this i don't know what you want from me yeah. But there's like a couple things like that where like there's like a little corner where like a movie's playing. There's a little corner where like, you know, you can you have to play a song or, and like it's all very tight in there. And like, yeah, technically you can have people access those multiple times, but like you can't like have someone come over. Look at this. What do you what I see yeah. this? I'm looking at this and thinking this, but that's not working. What do you think? Because that's part of the escape room is mm-hmm. look at this, I here's my thoughts, give me your feedback. Yeah. And those last few puzzles can't really do that, you know. Yeah. The other thing is, so this room, it has kind of a cool finisher in where you finally find whatever the time machine is and get in it. But Does it then, <laughs> Well, so that's the thing. It, it's this cool, you get in this thing that looks really cool. Kind of reminded me of like a really run down Wonkavator. It doesn't do anything. Like it has like this time clock and stuff and you think, oh, do I need to manipulate it or something? No, it's just, you just have to wait through the sequence basically. Like, so yeah. it was kind of a little bit of a... Um, anticlimactic moment like it was like oh this is really cool oh we just have to stand here okay you know so it was kind of like yeah because essentially it's like the the game master to tell us oh you could have put in insert answer here Uh i'm not going to spoil it but like you could have put in an answer and that would have ended the game or you could have done what you did where you just pick up the obvious missing piece to the machine plug it in where it goes and then that it just go on its own what yeah So it's like, okay, so for Back to the Future, all Marty had to do was either get lightning charged or he could have just typed in the number 1985 and been home. Yeah, so it was just, it, it was like, oh, we're in this really cool space, this really cool set design, and there's nothing to do. It's just over. Okay, also, like I said, that last set design when you're actually in the time machine thing was a cool design. It's like a room full of mirrors with like rust stains all over the uh-huh. place. You know, like I said, it's like a really dilapidated Wonkervator. Uh-huh. I would have loved a good puzzle in there. Exactly. That's I, what I mean. Because like, I, I was feel like, like it was kind of like, oh, and now it's over. Yeah, it was like <laughs> my reward was to have gotten here yeah. and to spend time here. Oh, get out. What? Yeah. You know, I just, yeah, it was it was an anticlimactic. 
the room itself had some decent puzzles. It was fun mm. doing science. Yeah. But like I said, some of the puzzles just felt a little arbitrary. Going back to the mail machine felt kind of repetitive, mm-hmm. you know, and just a really bad ending. Yeah, I mean, it was it was an enjoyable room. It definitely is not 60 outs best. No. I, um, I think the problem is this, and I've kind of started to build this theory with all the 60 outs that we've done. Uh-huh. 60 out is always at the top of the game. Mm-hmm. They Whenever they make a new room, it is like, this is the coolest thing in the market right now. But then they rest on their laurels with that room. Uh-huh. They just let that room sit there. They're like, this is... It was Well, the then they just game. go and they create something else. Right. And, and that's they abandon the previous one. creations. Yeah. And I'm saying, like, this room, this room that I'm talking about right now, this mm-hmm. steampunky time machine Nikola Tesla cool science thing, it's a cool room. It has a lot of great ideas and a lot of cool concepts in there. You just need to fix it up, A, so that way, like, the different things work. B, update it to be a bit more, you know, like, um, uh, ADA friendly with colorblind people, uh-huh. you know? Maybe that's the reason why they put their, the like, this is blue, this is orange. Yeah, I think but they I got think, complaints. But, but, then but it, if it, they did that, then why do you have the colorblind test at the beginning? Yeah, and then also I think it kind of, it ruins the puzzle. So it's like, do something different. Yeah. Then, you know? And like, yeah, just go and like retool it. Pretend like you have to design the room from scratch again. Yeah. What would you do differently now knowing what you know and the tricks that you've accumulated mm-hmm. since, you know? Yeah. Like... Around the same time, they built that Nautilus one. You know, the one that we it's had done this, a while ago. Yeah, Nautilus is at the same location and is probably and, around the same time. And right? It's around the same time. And that one, like, is, first of all, I think, themed a bit better. Mm-hmm. I think the puzzle's a bit more organic into the actual thing. Yeah. And it has a very cool interactive thing near the end. That even mm-hmm. though only one person can do that at the time, at least it's thematic that only one person can do it. Well, but you do, like, only one person can do it, but the other person is helping. Exactly, but the other extent. person's helping yeah. and can do something like that so i'm just saying that in this room i feel like you could easily rework some of the puzzles to be a bit more team based Mm -hmm. because you've learned a few tricks since you know uh, 2017 or 18 when this was built and you know i mean of course i'm saying this happening now we're just coming out of the year of covid so like maybe they don't have the funds for this but i'm saying it down the road yeah well and i do think you know they're not you know not to spoil anything but we we have some other rooms coming up um another room that we did recently where there was a couple things that were broken and they just reopened this room and i was like really guys you couldn't have like fixed these while you were shut down you know maybe like, maybe it was fixed and we got there right after butch went maybe through, you know maybe. like oh, i'm gonna smash it <laughs> but yeah i mean you know 60 out they have a ton of great rooms they have a ton of rooms period mm-hmm. um you know i don't think so far from this location which is their koreatown location yeah um both of their rooms have been fine like i enjoyed nautilus oh, yeah. i enjoyed this room um but they don't hold, like they don't hold a candle to like say hide circus no. or which is now called hide and seek um even you know there was a some a major thing broken when we did their mafia room but even that room, like where Was you're enjoyable. escaping a van, and then at one point it looks like people are actually like using a blowtorch to get in mm-hmm. after you and stuff. Like that was a more like just more high tech, more cool room. Um, or even Houdini, which is another more recent room of theirs. Right. You know, like they they just they have better rooms. Um, and I just wish that maybe they need to like rethink some of these. Yeah, just don't let your older rooms languish and bring Krampus back. <laughs> Bring Krampus back. <laughs> Don't get rid of Miss Jezebel. 
Um, no, but, no, but, but bring, but bring Krampus, Krampus back. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you could give it to the Tiki themed one. That's fine with me. Maybe. I know. I have heard they've, they've retooled the Tiki room and they retooled um, the science one that was I know the, the science the one. Yeah. They one made like a galaxy there. quest thing or something. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I know that they, they've retooled that since we did it as well. We'll have to go try that then. So. Maybe. Yeah. But okay, Lauren, so since keeping with the theme, how many uh, gear cogs would you give this out of five for how much it involves the steampunky theme? <laughs> I think it's a two. I think it does do some kind of science cool inventor stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's also cool, going back to the steampunk rally, is that those are actual real inventors, and Nikola Tesla is one of the characters you can pick. Yeah. But in terms of, like, awesome, like fictional science you have the time machine but like i don't even know how it works i don't know we didn't have to do anything we just stepped yeah, inside and was like you win. like oh you win um I'm, I'm gonna be more generous i'll give it three mm-hmm. but um but yeah it it definitely so far we haven't done a steampunky room that's really met our approval as of yet yeah. it's a hard genre to nail down yeah um so let's get into our friday favorites all right My Friday favorite uh, this month um, will be met to much chagrin for Lauren, Uh-oh. but I've been dying to go back and play Legendary James Bond again. How did I know you were going to say that? Because I said chagrin. <laughs> you know, it's been a long time since I had a chance to play it, mm-hmm. um, though unfortunately I have the expansion, mm-hmm. but I don't know where the cards are because they came after we had packed up the main game mm-hmm. for moving. And I have the main game now, but I don't have the expansion cards in there. So I got to go find where they are. They're in some other box somewhere. They have to be. Mm-hmm. But just Lord help me to find them. But mm-hmm. I, I'm hoping to do that. But in all honesty, probably the real Friday favorite I'm looking forward to is uh, Gyms and Gamers. Mm-hmm. Playing the... Essentially, we're doing D&D 5th edition. Uh-huh. But I am utilizing the more recent rules of eliminating the quote-unquote racism in the game. Uh-huh. Saying that, oh, all elves are dexterous and intelligent, while all orcs are strong and have a high constitution. You know, uh-huh. it's, Essentially, I let you guys build your characters, and I said, pick what bonuses you want. Mm-hmm. And like, let's just imagine that your character just had a different childhood than what would be normal. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. How about you, Lauren? Um, we recently had um, the opportunity to pull out a game we haven't played in a long time, um, Takedo. Yeah, that's funny. Um, and we found out that our friends, who we have regular game nights with, um, had never played it, apparently. Mm-hmm. Apparently, you know, although I feel like we've played it many, many times, apparently since they've been coming to game night, we hadn't had it out. Um, and I just forgot how um, enjoyable of a game that is. Um, you know, it was definitely interesting to play it with four people. I think it's been a long time since we've played it yeah. with that many people. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I forgot how much I enjoyed that game. It's nice to pull out, out something from the shelf that you haven't played in a while. Exactly. That game's too short though. Like I always want one more leg. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I I liked what we did this time is we did the return visit as well, Mm -hmm. um, which helped, but yeah, for sure. I, I, I feel like it does need like another round. Yeah. Just because you finally feel like you're getting some momentum going and Mm -hmm. oh, it's over. Yeah. And it's like, you're always one painting short and (laughs) yeah, maybe that's what we should do next time. Cause when we did the return round, we still picked new characters and did a new game. Uh Maybe it's the same characters back and forth. Maybe. You know, and then you keep everything so that way, like, everyone can get everything done. Mm-hmm. But then really it's at the end, it's like, just buy all the merchandise. Buy everything. <laughs> yeah, I never have enough time to buy merchandise, I feel you ne- like. I don't think you bought anything, really. You maybe yeah, had one trip for I souvenirs. I got, like, maybe once, and then a, one time, like, a traveler gave me one. And that's but about that it, right? about it, yeah. yeah. You're all about that painting and meeting the guys in the road. 
Yeah, well, that was kind of what my character's strong suit was. So. Yeah, so. Music for this episode was provided by TwinMusicCom.org. As always, you can find us wherever podcasts are available. You'll be a crit success in our books if you give us a rating and review on iTunes so that we can continue to grow the party. We can be found at Game Friday on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, where we invite you to come and share your Friday favorites and give us your opinions on the topics we discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening. And goodbye.